Broadcasting live from the studios of Business Radio X, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Village Medical, an award-winning primary care practice. Village Medical, a new way to well. Hello and welcome to To Your Health. I am Dr. Jim Morrow and I appreciate uh, very much you taking a few minutes to listen to this episode. And uh, also, it's always amazing to me when I speak to somebody in the office about the podcast, uh, just this past week, somebody said, I've been listening to your podcast and you have some comment about them. And it's just, it's, it's really very rewarding and it's, it's encouraging. So thank you so much. Those of you who do listen, I hope you'll hit the subscribe button there on your podcast app so that you can be notified when uh, new episodes are out, which typically is the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. So I'm, I'm here in my, uh, my office studio, I guess you would call it. I've got some great equipment and some great folks around me, and I'm just blessed to be able to practice in this environment every single day. And it, it there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to patients about a referral, uh, and that's probably pretty obvious. And, and hardly a day goes by when that referral is not to a urologist for some reason. So I wanted to talk today about why people need to or should see a urologist, when they should, why they should, and so forth. Of course, first thing that comes to my mind is that the reason you should is because your family doctor told you told you to go see one, but why might he do that? And there are a lot of reasons. So people get confused a lot of times about what some of these specialists do. A urologist specifically diagnoses and treats diseases of the urinary system more than any other. And that includes the kidneys, the ureters, that's the tube from the kidney to the bladder, includes the bladder, and then the tube from the bladder to the outside, which is the urethra. So it includes all of those things. And you can have, obviously, a variety of problems that occur in those different organs. And then also, they also deal with the reproductive organs, testicles and that sort of thing. Uh, ironically, they really don't deal with ovaries to a great degree. That's more of a gynecologist area. And then there's the adrenal gland, which is a small gland that sits on the top of the kidney and produces mostly hormones for simple purposes. Um, but you'll, you'll hear about urologists, you'll hear about kidney doctors. And if you look at kidney doctors, quote unquote, there are two types really. There's urologists, and those are the doctors that deal with these organs, but they're they're surgeons, so they're looking to correct something surgically in the majority of cases or diagnose something that might be repaired surgically. They're not medical doctors like myself. Uh, they are they're MDs certainly, but they're not just internal medicine type doctors. And that the people that deal with kidney function and with kidneys that are the medical doctors on the medical end of things are the nephrologists. So if you are any certain age, 65, 70, and your doctor says you have chronic kidney disease, which I really need to do a podcast on because most everybody after 65 ends up with some degree of chronic kidney disease, and it's not as terrible as it sounds, then if you have that, you might be referred to a kidney doctor. And that's to talk about kidney function. So that's going to be a nephrologist. Whereas if you have a problem with kidney stones or something wrong with a kidney anatomically, then you might see a urologist. But one of the biggest reasons people see urologists is because of prostate problems. Men certainly with prostate problems. And most men, once they become older in age, 
uh, can be any different age, will have some, some sort of urinary difficulty. It might be infections. It might be blood in the urine. It might be uh, pain when you urinate. It might be pain with intercourse. It, but in some fashion, they're going to have difficulty. And a lot of these things are are caused by prostate trouble. Now, the biggest thing that happens is your prostate gets enlarged. And you may have heard people say that if you live long enough, you'll get prostate cancer. Well, I've always felt like that was a silly argument because if you live long enough, you'll get everything in the world. So that really doesn't hold water. But if you are a man who's getting older, you're almost certain to deal with some sort of enlarged prostate. And at some point, you might be sent to a urologist to evaluate that and see if there's something that needs to be done for that. Now, if you go over here to Northside Hospital and visit with the urologist because you have a large prostate, they may have a variety of things that they can offer you as far as procedures to alleviate the problems that go along with an enlarged prostate. And those problems are usually urinating too often, getting up at night too much, not having enough of a stream or inability to urinate, and then an ability to hold your urine. Those are all possibilities. And those can all come from a, a problem with the prostate. And over the years, this has really changed tremendously. People in the old days, and I say this a lot, but it kills me that I practiced in the old days, but people would go to a urologist and they would get what lay people would refer to as a rotor-rooter of the prostate. So if you, think, if you look at the prostate, it's kind of like a cord-out apple, and you urinate through that opening in that apple. So you urinate through the prostate. When it gets enlarged, it squeezes down on that opening and it becomes smaller. And it's, it's harder to urinate. It's harder to empty your bladder. So they'll go in to kind of ream out the inside of that. And that's a, a, a terp is really the technical term for it. It's a transurethral resection of the prostate, T-U-R-P. And in the old days, that was done with a blade. And if you're a guy and you're listening to this, you just had a little chill run over your spine because you're thinking, well, they run a tube up through my penis and look at my prostate and then they run a blade up in there and they're shaving off and it just gives you the willies for sure. And in the old days, it was effective for sure because it does get rid of prostate tissue, but it had a longer out, longer recovery and more uncertain outcomes than today. And nowadays they've got the green light laser, which is much easier and more effective and more benign for people to have done they have aqua ablation. They do the same sort of thing with water under pressure. They can peel away, if you will, the prostate tissue using water therapy. They've got ultrasonic therapy. There are a lot of ways they can go about it. And we're blessed here in coming Georgia that the urologists here in town have really pioneered a lot of these procedures. There's a surgeon over here who has done more probably aqua ablations than anybody else maybe in the country. Uh, he was part of the clinical trials for these things. And there's just a lot of that being done. So while nobody wants to do it, you need to understand that if you're having a lot of trouble with urinating and that sort of thing, getting up four times at night and have to stand there for 10 minutes before you can ever get started and then can't stop once you do, it's, it's worth going. And that is one of the, the many reasons that people might go and see these guys. Now, if you're a woman, one of the more common reasons you might see a urologist is what's called interstitial cystitis. And I've, I've never been sure why we don't see interstitial cystitis in men, but I can honestly say I don't think I ever have. But this is a condition of basically a painful bladder. 
Uh, cystitis sounds like an infection, but it really isn't. It's inflammation. And you can have pain upon urinating. It feels like you have a urinary tract infection. You get your urine check, get cultures done. It just never shows anything. These are people who have interstitial cystitis or what patients a lot of times will refer to as IC, but it's not the greatest term. But interstitial cystitis can be very difficult to treat. Uh, the good news is they have some new treatments now that are very promising, but it's one of the things that drives a lot of women to a urologist for a treatment. And another thing, if you're a female, that might drive you there is leaking urine. And most people know that if you're a female and you've had kids, your bladder control may not be as as good as you'd like it to be, certainly. If you've had a hysterectomy, then that's something else that can alter your ability to hold urine in your bladder when you want to. And that's because the the uterus supports the bladder. And one of the important things about maintaining urine control is the angle of the bladder to the urethra, the tube to the outside. And if that angle is lost, if it's basically a straight shot, if you will, from the bladder to the outside, then you're less likely to be able to hold your urine. And when you you lose your uterus, your bladder can fall some, and that angle that existed is no longer there. So that can be a problem. And you can have surgery and have a, quote, bladder tack, end quote, done, which can help return that angle to the proper uh, amount of degrees and help increase and return your control of urine. But one of the other things is that that you have to consider is that a lot of times patients who need this are not great surgical candidates. A lot of times these people are 80 plus years old and they're, they're having a lot of difficulty with urine control and it's miserable and they don't like dealing with it. And they may go to the urologist and get a pessary and a pessary is a device that's entered into the, the vagina and it goes to the back of the vagina and it literally provides support there and helps to, support, therefore, the bladder, which is on top of the vagina, and it can provide that angle that you're looking for to have more control. So a pessary is something that many people will do, but it's a non-surgical treatment. There's no real risk to doing a pessary, and it's uh, it's very effective. And so that's something else that they can do, and you have to be fitted for these, and they have to insert them and so forth and so on. So it's a, a it's not a simple thing, but it's a good alternative, and it does provide good relief. One of the other things that we send people to urologists for is is blood in the urine. We check urine specimens on people all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking all the time. And these machines that we use in the office are incredibly sensitive, so it's not uncommon to have a trace of blood in your urine, and if you get a urine done and you see the result online and it says trace blood, don't let that shock you or surprise you or worry you because a trace of blood is is really nothing to be concerned about. If you have moderate or large amount of blood, then that's a different story. And that's something you don't want to drop the ball on. You want to continue to pursue that and repeat it and be sure it's true. And if it is, you want to find out where it's coming from. It can be incredibly simple. And in fact, you may have a condition called hematuria syndrome. Hematuria syndrome is just that. Hematuria means blood in the urine. And it may just be that you're one of those many, many people who have blood in the urine. You just drip a little blood in the urine from the kidney. There's nothing pathological about it. There's nothing dangerous about it. 
it's a nuisance because every time you get a urine, you're going to have some blood in it. And unfortunately, you can't know that it's hematuria syndrome until you go through the process of ruling out the other things that can make you have blood in the urine. One of those is kidney stones. And most people, I think, who have ever had a kidney stone will tell you that you're not going to have a kidney stone and not know it. And for the most part, that's true. But you could have one literally still in the kidney. It's not moving. And if kidney stones don't move, they really don't hurt. But they can cause enough inflammation and irritation to have some blood in the urine. So that's a possibility. You can have infections. You can have polyps in the bladder. You can have abnormalities about the kidney themselves anatomically. And those can sometimes be from birth, and that's not uncommon. So if you do have blood in the urine, you want to be sure and follow through with it because one of the things that causes blood in the urine is bladder cancer. And uh, bladder cancer is a condition that's fairly close to my heart and my wife Peggy's heart right now because one of our very best friends from high school days uh, had surgery today. Today's Wednesday, yesterday, for bladder cancer. And uh, the good news is he should be absolutely fine. But this is still a very trying thing and it's something that requires a lot of follow-up and treatments and so forth. The treatments are not terrible if you have bladder cancer. And one of the types of bladder cancer is one of those that if you had to pick out of five different cancers, one that you were going to have, that's one you'd pick because the treatments are not bad and the outcomes are not bad and so forth. But still, it's worrisome. And so you want to be sure if you have blood in your urine that you follow up with this and find out what's causing it, if anything, so that you don't end up with a bad outcome. Now, one of the other things that causes blood in the urine is kidney cancer. A kidney cancer is another cancer that's fairly interesting, at least to me, because if you have kidney cancer, if you think about your kidney, okay, you've got this thing the size of a burrito, small burrito, not a Moe's burrito, but a, a Hacienda burrito, okay? So that's about the size of it. And in the tissue of the kidney, if you develop cancer, you'll have maybe as much as a golf ball-sized area that's cancerous. And if you if you remove that part or that kidney, either one, that's the beauty of a paired organ. You can remove the whole kidney and you'll be fine. But if you remove that and it has not gotten outside the kidney, you're cured of kidney cancer. Now, if you have blood in the urine and the doctor tells you to go to the urologist and you say, I don't know if I need to, and you wait a year and you come back and you got a little more blood in the urine, he says you need to go see the urologist. And then you go, you could have a problem. You could absolutely have a problem. But if you go early and you catch this early, it's not uncommon for people to have a surgical cure and they have no more treatments whatsoever for kidney cancer. Now, if you're going to get cancer, that's what that's what you want. You want something you can treat and be done with. It. And there are not too many of those. So pay attention when they tell you you need to go see anybody, but in this case, certainly a urologist. A lot of people get frequent bladder infections, urinary tract infections, and there's a difference, okay? If you have a bladder infection, that's one of the many urinary tract infections, and a bladder infection is going to give you painful urination. It might give you foul-smelling urine. It might make you incontinent, have a little leakage, and so forth, and pretty much that's it, okay? You treat that with anywhere from three to 10 days of antibiotics, depending on who you see and what kind of infection they might anticipate and you're fine 
in the vast majority of cases. But if you have a kidney infection, a kidney infection is a whole different animal from a bladder infection. A kidney infection is a condition called pyelonephritis, and it's just as bad as it sounds because with that, you don't just get pain when you urinate. In fact, you may not have that at all, but you'll have shaking chills. You'll have nausea. You'll have back pain. If you take your arm and put it behind your back, uh, like you're going to scratch your back, pretty much right where your hand is is where your kidneys are, and you got pain there. It can shoot down into the groin and so forth and be horrible. Um, but the the fever and body aches and nausea and miserableness that goes with this are are almost always there with a true kidney infection. And these are often people that have to be treated in the hospital for a day or two of IV antibiotics. But <clears throat> you don't tend to ignore those because you're really, really sick and you tend to end up getting something done about them. And a lot of these things are caused by congenital abnormalities, uh, malformed areas of the urinary tract, the kidney, the ureter, the bladder, and the urethra. This is the system in the body that has uh, abnormalities that you're born with, congenital abnormalities, more often than any other system in the body. It's it's not the least bit uncommon to have three ureters with only two kidneys, and you have two coming out of one kidney, and one of them doesn't work right and makes the kidney get blocked up and just all kinds of trouble. And so if you do have something like that, sometimes they don't cause you a great deal of trouble, but if they do and need something done for it, that is something that a urologist would be able to help you with. So that's always good to know. Now. One of the things that we send people to the urologist for a lot is an abnormal PSA. The PSA is the prostate-specific antigen. It's the blood test that we use to screen for prostate cancer. And I doubt there are many tests that we do, blood tests especially, that have more controversy around them than a PSA. And to me, it just seems incredibly simple. Uh, because I was, I had the privilege of practicing. I've said earlier, I practiced in the old days, and this is another good example of that. But I practiced in the days before we had the PSA available. And before we had PSA available, we diagnosed prostate cancer when it was stage four about 95% of the time. And now that we have the PSA that we can use to screen for prostate cancer, we find prostate cancer when it's stage one about 95% of the time. And the difference is life-saving. If nothing else, it's quality of life-saving because the difference in having stage four cancer and stage one cancer is a whole lot more than three. I can guarantee you that. It is just incredibly different. So if you're a good patient and you come once a year for your physical and we do the prostate blood test every year, and if you come to me, you're my patient, I'm going to do it every year starting at age 40 no matter what. You're not going to be able to talk me out of it, and most people don't even try, but I don't care what you've read online. I don't care what other societies tell you. I'm doing it every single year, and it amazes me that now some of the societies in my own, the American Academy of Family Physicians, now recommends not doing a PSA on men age 55 to 69. And, and that's unfathomable to me. I'm going to do a PSA every 12 months on every man over 40 who will come in and let me. And I'm going to do it until I quit. 
because I've seen too many cases of people that came in, had a PSA is fine. They didn't get a physical again for five years, three years, whatever. And they come again and the numbers doubled and they have prostate cancer. I'm not going to let that happen if I can avoid it. I'm just not. And if I waste money doing PSAs that turn out to be normal on tons and tons of people, I do not care. I don't care. That's not important to me. What's important to me is I did it on you and yours went up and you got treated and you're going to be okay. I don't care that somebody else had a PSA and it was normal and they felt like they didn't need it. doesn't matter. doesn't make a bit of difference. Now, the PSA is not an absolute test. It's not perfect. It doesn't show prostate cancer in everybody that has prostate cancer. And it's not ab- when it's abnormal. All those people don't have prostate cancer. But it's the best thing we have. And it's the best thing we've had for a long time. So here's the deal on PSAs. And this drives me nuts, as you can tell a lot of things do. Normal PSA is basically zero to four, 4.0. Okay. So from zero to four is quote normal. And the labs, LabCorp, Quest, all the reference labs report anything less than four as being normal. Well, if you're 50 years old and you have a PSA done, first one you've had in a while, maybe, and it's 3.5, that's not normal. That's higher than it should be in a 50-year-old. And I have begged, I have begged the medical directors for Quest and LabCorp, this goes back to 2007 through nine, or 9 through 11, begged them to, to report age-related PSAs so that at this age, this is normal. At this age, a little higher is normal. At this age, a little higher is normal. And they won't do it. They just report zero to four is normal. So if you're a younger person, your PSA should be 0.6, 0.8, 1.2. It shouldn't be if you're less than 55 or 60, you shouldn't be three and a half. And if it is, you need to follow it incredibly closely. And if it goes up the least little bit, you need to go see a urologist. And going up the least little bit is one of the most important things about PSA because the range as you're gathering is not the most important thing. What matters is how does it change over time? And specifically, how much does it change over time? So if you come in at 45, let's say you're 50 years old, you come in and you have a PSA of three. I think it might be a little high. We're going to repeat it in six months. We're not going to wait a year. Six months, it's still three. Six months later, it's four. You're going to see a urologist because I don't like that rate of change. And nobody ever went to the pearly gates and said to St. Peter, gee, I wish I hadn't had so many PSAs drawn. I guarantee you that. But the opposite is absolutely true. We had a patient here in this practice who came in for a physical. This is going back six years or so. Came in for a physical. His PSA was a little bit higher than the provider thought it should be for that age. He said, you know, come back and repeat it. Patient didn't do it. But he came back in a year for another physical. Had another PSA. It went up. He said, look, this is not right. You need to go see urologist. He didn't do it. But he came back in a year for a physical. Because in some ways, they were a good patient. And when he came back the third time, the PSA had gone from what I think was about three to 1,099. Now, it doesn't take a genius to see that if up to four is okay, 1,099 is a problem. So 
you need to get checked. And it probably goes without saying that person ended up having stage four prostate cancer. And people that have stage four prostate cancer don't die right away. It's not like pancreatic cancer. But the treatments are a nuisance. And if you're fortunate enough to respond even to the treatments, it's a lifetime of treatments. You don't cure stage four cancer. You maintain it. You you keep it at bay. You ward it down. You, you, you tone it down. You just don't get rid of it. It doesn't happen. And so you want to get rid of these things when they're not stage four cancers. And like I said, the American Academy of Family Physicians has said you shouldn't do a PSA between 55 and 69. They say you shouldn't do it after 70 years old. They say this and that. Talk to your family doctor. Okay, have a family doctor that you like. That's always good. And that you trust. (laughs) I may have told this in the last podcast, but I had a patient, this has really blew my mind. I had a patient not too long ago, we were talking about a medicine I'd written for him. They didn't start taking it. And they said, well, I talked to somebody I trust. And they said, and I really don't know what they said after that, because my mind was completely blown after they said, I talked to somebody I trust. And I said, well, do you not trust me? Why Why are you even sitting here if you don't trust me? So if you don't feel comfortable with your family doctor, and frankly, I don't care if that's me or anybody else. If you don't feel comfortable with them, find somebody you're comfortable with because you need to be with someone who you'll listen to when they give you what they feel is good advice. So urologists are the doctors that I dislike going to see the most. I'll admit that freely. They are, and that's just purely because of location. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you go see one of these people when you're referred to them and you don't wait and look to talk to somebody you trust about it and so forth, you're going to have a better outcome in the long run than if you wait, regardless what the condition is. Don't have to be cancer, regardless of what the condition is. If you go and tackle something head on and get it taken care of and approach it the way you should, you're going to have a better outcome. And it is all about outcomes. It's all about that. I am so fortunate to be a part of Village Medical and this entire nationwide group because everything we do nowadays is about better outcomes. In, in the past, I was a fireman. I was putting out fires for people, and they came in the office. They had to come in the office and say, I'm on fire, and then we would try to find a way to put them out. And now we're preventing for, we're preventing fires. I feel like Smokey the Bear here. We're, we're doing that, and it's because of this change to Village Medical and the tremendous resources that they have, and I'm so thankful for that. But if you don't listen to anything else I ever tell you, Please find yourself a family physician that you like and trust and see them on a regular basis and do what they ask you to do. And I think that's all I've got on why you should see a urologist. I hope you will join me next time. I don't know what the topic will be, but if you have ideas, I'd love to hear them. You can email me if you'd like to at toyourhealthmd at gmail.com. And for now, that's to your health. Thank you for joining us. 
This podcast is sponsored by Village Medical, making your primary care more caring. Village Medical is a new way to well. To learn more, go to villagemedical.com.